Hello guys, I hope you're really well and keeping safe. If you're listening to this episode in April 2020, then like me, you'll be isolating at home, either on your own or with someone else. And yeah, what a interesting month it's turning out to be and pretty full on. And I'm really hoping that this new series of Doing Death will show you that actually we can start talking about death and when we do start having those conversations it's not that bad and it's actually a lot easier than we think and in this episode I'm talking to the phenomenal British photographer and director Rankin best known for his celebrity portraits such as those of David Bowie, Madonna, Kate Moss, the Rolling Stones and even the Queen. That idea that an image that you make is the image that somebody wants to be remembered as. That's powerful. So, And then you kind of go, well, then every time you take a photograph, that's what you're trying to do, Mm. is make the image that someone wants to be, you know, the iconic image. A few years ago, Rankin created a really interesting and thought-provoking exhibition of work called Alive in the Face of Death, creating incredible portraits of people facing a terminal illness. We discussed how working on this project alleviated Rankin's own fear of death. And as you'll find, Rankin likes a good natter. So we chatted about everything from ageing to the death of his own parents, what drives him as a photographer and what's important to him and what's important in life. So enjoy this episode. It's a really rare insight into one of Britain's most famous photographers. And yeah, I really enjoyed this one. So I hope you do too. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and remember to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast as it helps other people to find it so they can also enjoy this series. So I'm just good. So thank you so much. Pleasure. For joining me. And I, I'm, I'm so glad that you're open-minded enough to, well, I knew that you'd be open-minded enough to join me on this podcast. And I, I know that you have um, a, a sort of interest in death and a lot of your work has been about death. So I just wanted to ask you, um, how often do you think about death and are you scared of dying? I probably think about death, I would say once or twice a day and now I've created my alive in the face of death project I'm not afraid of dying Mm. but before I made that project I definitely was fairly scared of it yeah and and so did you think that doing the alive project helped you deal with that fear yeah, no, the Alive, Pro- Alive Project really um, was a fantastic process of... I mean, I did the project because I hadn't really processed my parents dying. So I was thinking about that a lot. And it was about four, four or five years. I mean, I don't actually know exactly how long it was afterwards. But I remember the BBC came to me and asked me if you could do any project. What would it be? And I said, well, I've always had this idea in the back of my head to photograph people that were terminally ill because it's something that's been around as an idea since probably when I was about 21 Mm. so it's been around since about when I was 21 yeah as a as a concept and then my parents passing away or dying was definitely a, a kind of an impetus for me to 
start thinking about it on a daily level, you know, mm. on a daily basis. And I think from there, from there, when the BBC approached me, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a project I've always wanted to do. Mm. You know, they came a blank canvas type thing and they sorted me out with a gallery in Liverpool. And, and then from there on in, it was, and we were doing a documentary about it. So it was really a brilliant, cathartic experience of just, and it was hard to start, actually. It was really hard to get going because I couldn't, I did so much research on it and as you normally do when you make a documentary and I just didn't, I wasn't ready for it, I was scared of it, I didn't want to, um, you know, um, I didn't want to sort of incite any, anything in my own personal life, you know, I didn't want to, I don't know, I, did, I guess I didn't want to look it in the face because I was worried about what looking it in the face would mean. Mm. But actually doing it, once we got started, Jack and I, actually, the director and I, we went through this very weird process. And I was also, at the same time, um, preparing to do Desert Island Discs alongside each other. Mm. And I was going through all of this really weird, sort of depressing feelings of where, I, who am I, what am I, you know, that stupid, like, stuff that you do. Um, if you if you're creative, I think, or mm. even if you're a human being, definitely I was scared of what I might be inciting in the world. You know, if you kind of get if you get metaphysical about it, and then um, we started it, and almost immediately that went away. Mm. <laughs> so it was good. Um, it was really good because through the process of um, doing the documentary, I met so many people that were terminal and I got so much advice on life and I got so much advice on death and I interviewed and photographed this woman called Diana Athill who had written a lot about death and she was very old at the time um, and had, because she was very old had written a lot on death and was very pragmatic about it um, which I think her interview probably was the most influential on me as a human being like in terms of what you worried about mm. and what she said which was really funny at the time was well you're not gonna have to worry about it because once you're dead you're gone and and, and she gave me this very good description of a friend of hers that said but what about all the birds and she said well you're not gonna be able to hear them you're you're, you're dead you're gone <laughs> it's done yeah. it's over and then she said and what about people you leave behind well they have, of course they'll have to deal with it but you won't, because no. you'll be dead. No. So that was incredibly life-changing, actually, for me, because then I started to feel very um, positive about talking to people about it and wanting to, I guess, kind of confront it. And um, now if anyone's ill or anybody I've, I've, I meet has got somebody that's ill, I'm very quick to jump in and go, well, let's talk about it. To the point that I would love to do a kind of guide to how to die book because I think it's it's actually something that we don't really consider. No. And um and it, and it's also quite funny the whole process of there's death. lots of humour as well. So yeah. much humour. Like once you once you get past the the death thing, the death thing, <laughs> the kind of dying bit of it. Mm. You know, you could do a brilliant bucket list. You could do a brilliant how to, you know, organise your own funeral, pay for your own funeral, all that stuff. It's just, I feel like there's a really good guidebook in it. And I don't mean a, I would do it more of a kind of, almost like a, lady, a ladybird book. 
I've kind of on done her that. to die. I know, but yours is quite serious. Not serious, but yours is like more. It's more. It has more depth to it. Mm. Mine would be like a more practical sort of. Yeah, mine would be more just a a really practical. Yeah. A very kind of. You know, basically things like talking to your parents. Mm. Yeah. Uh, talking yeah. to your 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 children. You know, having those conversations that you mm. don't. You know, just things that are like. Yeah. And really, like I'm almost like a cross off list yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. a b c d or one to 100 or whatever you mm. know like, i don't know i haven't really thought it through but as but i've 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 thought about that a lot because mm. i wish i'd had it yeah you know i wish i had that step by step and i wish i'd also read everything that i'd read after my parents passed away mm. before before they had before they did you know and um i'm not trying to muscle in on your Deaf share of the deaf business, but <laughs> it is a big business, isn't it? And um, um, I do think there's just so much in the Western world that we don't talk about. We call it anaesthetized, or you know, it's done behind those doors that the body goes through. And yeah, it's very hidden stuff that's just mm. stupid. Like, why do you not spend time with a corpse? Yeah, it's like it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's like you would let your dog spend time with the corpse, you know, to let it let them know you're gone because yeah. that's important for the dogs to know that because they're pine for you yeah. if they don't yeah. if they don't know. So why wouldn't you let human beings mm. do it? So for me, I'm through it, and because of that, it's kind of changed a lot about my life in terms of who I how I speak about it and how I approach things and um i feel very positive about death i don't feel i'm not scared i'm not definitely not scared to talk about it and i'm definitely not really scared of it happening um which i was Mm. why do you think you were i don't know i think it was i think it's a lot to do with tradition and we've been conditioned a little bit Mm. in this country i think that the the kind of idea of growing old is not really discussed no i think we're very youth orientated i think that you know we almost become immune or or not immune that's the wrong word we almost become as people get older they become more invisible yeah and we've gone from this society that really respects and listens to old our, our, our elders or older people to this society that's fundamentally focused on being young and youth and I just think people feel like they want to live forever. So in some way... The thought of not being here. Yeah, it's, it's a weird... It's a terror. It? I guess it's for, their, for, for people now. It's, for me, it's actually not terrifying anymore. But And then I think my parents dying was the thing that was... It was... For me, I always describe it like a ceiling was broken. You know, mm. a, a, something above me suddenly wasn't there. And then that put this fear of like... Oh, how long am I gonna? What's what's gonna happen? Like I'm that, the next what one. Gonna, what's gonna happen is a big question for people. Whereas, and my parents were great because they were like, we do not believe in God, so when we die, we're gone, yeah. and that's it, and no worries. <clears throat> but because of that, we didn't have conversations that we should have had mm. about everything, really. So, because they were just like, well, we don't want to make it difficult. Very Scottish. We want it, you know. Want it to be easy for you, like once we're gone, like, you know that type of thing. And I'm really there's a moment where I nearly, I 
dad, my dad tried to talk to me about it and I shut him down because my mum got, basically my mum got ill and then my dad got very ill over like a two day period and died before my mum. Wow. Which is kind of competitive as well. <laughs> my, dad, my dad's a bit competitive. So I was a bit like, oh, where, where did that come from? Wow. But because of that, I was talking to my mum a lot and didn't talk to my dad and I didn't really listen to him, um, which I really regret. Because that's the other thing, talking to your, you know, whoever's passing away or dying. I only say passing away because it seems polite, but talking to the person that is also going to be affected the most is really important. And mm. I miss that. Mm. Like, I'm really angry with myself for missing that. And, uh, and I miss loads of stuff that I didn't say to them and didn't talk to them about. But, yeah, that was... Once that ceiling had gone, then I started to get very frightened. And then I did the project. And that's... I'm lucky that I get to deal with the world in that way where mm. I can do a project and process it that way but yeah i'm glad i did and how long after your parents dying did you do the project was it quite soon after no it was a good four years okay yeah so i can't i've never actually worked it out properly but it was but i thought about it a lot and also that idea of people being terminally ill was something that i was always in the back of my mind and i only use the expression terminally ill because what I really mean is people that are close to death. Yeah. So because I've also met other people that are close to death mm. through poverty or, you know, living in difficult situations um, in, in difficult countries. And what I found is that most of them, and this might be rose-tinted, have a much more positive attitude towards life than most of us mm. that aren't close to death. So it's a, and also it's a really great reminder of, how amazing being alive is and not take every moment for granted and to actually kind of go, yeah, you know, live life to the fullest and get the most out of it and enjoy it. And You have to wonder why we don't, though. Yeah, and it is, yeah. it is strange. And also, like, I, was, I mean, I'm not brilliant at getting checked up, but definitely once my parents died, I was like, I'm going to get myself checked. And then for anybody out there that is thinking that there's something wrong with them, always get a second opinion yeah, that's the one that's yeah. the one thing that i really learned like get a second opinion with your parents with everybody with yeah. everybody if you think there's something wrong with you if and, and the doctor says they think or any other gp or the, the the specialist says no get a second opinion because most of the people that i met that were terminal found out the second or third mm. time around because you know that's the way it works. I think you have a gut instinct as well, yeah. don't you? And you yeah, they all said they yeah, yeah. Every single one of them you said, know. I think there's something wrong with me. And the, the GP didn't believe them or that even they've got, they went to specialists and they didn't believe them. Wow. And, um, and not to say that's because the NHS isn't amazing. It is amazing. But definitely each of them said, I had this feeling there was something wrong with me. And I mm. don't think it was that kind of post... It's a gut instinct. It, was, it felt like it was an instinctive thing. Mm. And... Um, it's made me kind of a little bit more because I'm so frightened of doctors and, and hospitals and things like that. So I'm definitely a bit more like brave about going and and doing that. Yeah, and when you've when you've seen people dying and experienced that, you kind of think I need to. It just makes you think. Actually, I need to go and do this. I need to go and sort it out because it is something that could be dealt with. It might not be something that could be dealt with, but it's just worth going and. Persistent, being yeah. persistent, I think, isn't it? Because I mean, like my mum's terrible; she hates going to the doctor. Yeah, and I would say, mum, just go and check, get get another opinion. You know, just make sure that they're, you know, 100%. they're right. 
And that's that's hundred percent, hundred percent. And I really mm. agree with your conceit of get this, get be pushy. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. don't take no for an answer. My mum unfortunately caught it too late. So mm. and my dad died of a heart attack essentially. So. But he would have, I reckon he would have probably, he'd have probably killed himself anyway. Like, if she'd gone, there was no, you know, there was no... They were happily married. They were happy and she was, I was so surprised at how much she missed him once he died. It was really, it was horrible, like, listening to her, the way she talked about him. So, you know, I just want to make sure that people out there don't do that thing that I did, which is don't, don't be embarrassed or frightened or, you know... And also don't let them say, no, we don't want to talk about it because you have to have talk to. about it. You've got to talk about it. Even the bloody burial or the, you know, how to deal with the that part of it. You've and use got, humour, you know, yeah. use humour. Oh, I'd like this played at my funeral. Exactly. This is what I'd like. And you know, my parents left me nothing like that. And we no. were like, what do I do? What do we do? How do we do this? And the practical part of it is almost the funniest part of it. <laughs> um, but... But I do, but I do, um, I think there's, I think also the fact that you're doing this is brilliant because this still today, till today, and it shocks me how few people want to deal with this stuff. Like I do keep an eye on it. We have an actual, actually on my folder, uh, sorry, in my email, I have a folder that says death and any, <laughs> anything that comes along. So any, I was like, was anybody, I anything that's written about it, <laughs> mm. people know to send me it so that I can keep a kind of an eye on what the cultural perspective on it is because it's one of those things that that we've just got this very major fear of and I don't I understand it but I don't really believe that that's the right approach to it so I'm very I'm all for doing things like this and I think it's great that you're doing it. and also I think there's room for lots of people to do things like this yeah as well. I agree I, I think agree there, I think there's so many good ways of approaching mm. it. and it, and the other thing is everybody does it differently like like there's the one thing we all have to do is die yeah but we all do, do it, very it differently. differently and it's like birth that's yeah the that's exactly different. every birth is different yeah. although although you know i was reading about that the other day and and there was somebody was saying well the midwife all their births are all different they all know what to look for and yeah. I, I don't know if you know but i'm training to be a death doula so no, like on the what's other that? So it's someone like a midwife. Oh, are you? But it's on the, other, for end. the other end. Yeah, so that's a good idea. It's really interesting. So the training that we're having at the moment is about what to look for, how, and it's usually the same kind of things of that you identify. But obviously, every death is individual. But yeah. as a person, as a death doula, you would look a out for a death what doula. You're going to look it up. Now, how does that? How do you spell that? So it's D O U L A. So it's like a birth, have you heard of birth dealers? No. So birth dealer is someone that comes in and gives will you assist. kind of assess. Yeah, like if uh, you know, okay. if you, in your first month, that's a might great. Come uh, that's a really good uh, yeah. idea. And it's now there's there's a couple of associations in the UK. They're still quite small, but they're growing, mm. and loads of people from Europe are coming over. That's and great. It's it's amazing. It's yeah. really interesting. I mean, there's so much money in death as well. That's the other thing that like you don't realise until someone dies, and then it costs you so much money, and you're yeah. like, wow, how did that happen? I always think, I always when I when I go past like a you know some 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 form of um, you know, like a a, a a hearse or I'm like, God, those guys are making a fortune. fortune. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, like I do. They have a very specific talent. Those guys. I met a couple of them, and and um, and also there's some people doing it differently now, which I really like. There's like a disco one. Yeah. And I 
for you me, can shoot I, your rashes into space. Yeah, I'm like, I love all that. I yeah. think it's good to celebrate it. That's the other thing we know. It's not, it's not become a celebration. It's become a more a mourning. Oh, yeah. And it's and I, I'm like, I don't want to be mourned. I want to be celebrated. Yeah. So I'm very uh, positive about it. But yeah, I haven't had time to really kind of get my stuff together and and do it. But it's there. It's in the back of my mind all the time. I think it's and and I deal in death. If essentially because I'm a photographer yeah. so it's there it's at the back of your mind when you're taking photographs where it where it ends up mm. um actually when I was in the Congo I was in this camp in Goma and we did this lovely show of all the photographs we took for Oxfam there and this guy came up to me and said oh, I'm going to use this on my coffin this but you picture <laughs> I was just like yes. I was just like no one's ever said anything that brilliant yeah. to me because I didn't want to just go there and take pictures of people I wanted to give them the pictures that I took of them and um and I was like that's what it should be about you know that's the the for me for people to use those pictures in fact a lot of the people in the the, the film that we made used the pictures mm. which was lovely for uh, their funeral yeah, yeah it was really nice I tried to go to as many as I could but it was hard because um, a lot of them died well, that's what I was going to ask you, actually, in that project. Um, many people were under the age of 60, and I, yeah. I wanted to ask you, was that deliberate having younger people or just just who came, at, you know, who was around that wanted to do the project at the time? It, I think it ended up being just people that wanted to do the project. And also, I think that the, the idea of, for me, was to deal with death myself personally, but also it was about... Um, reminding people including myself not to take life for granted mm. um so it was a kind of there was layers to it which were really important layers for me because i didn't want to um i didn't want it to just be ranking works out how to die yeah you know like because there's no point in and i think like forty thousand people went to see the show in liverpool that's so it was lot, it was a lot it? of people and it was really personal to me and there were a few people that were crit- in fact most people the critics were very critical of of it but why I think because it was it the photography wasn't mournful it was celebratory mm. and it looked very pop in a way and I was like well how do you want to be yeah. remembered do you want to be remembered through you know something really depressing or do you want to be like taking death on you know like showing what life showing is. what life is so I photographed them like celebrities. You did. So in the end, I think we we were kind of more interested in people that wanted to be in it. And I do think that's why I say rose tinted, because I didn't want it to be like doom and gloom. And I think people could tell that that was what we, where we were coming from. Although a couple of the people were fairly, that found it fairly difficult talking to us. So yeah, maybe, I don't know. We, we There was never, the rationale was never... Um, age it was are you going to die have you been given a terminal um, diagnosis diagnosis and what how are you feeling about that and i think we people that wanted to be on it were the people that were like well i want to show how great life is and how you know what my feeling is towards it but also diana was great and I, i i did this amazing woman who'd been to auschwitz um i think her name was Rose, I'm I'm so angry, I can't remember her name because she was so brilliant. And she, what she had been through was 
unbelievable and and heart-rendering but she would have seen so much she saw so much but what was brilliant is that my director jack cocker who is exceptional was like ask her about the photos and her walls were covered in pictures covered in pictures and he's he was like ask her about the photos and i said oh something like tell me about the photographs on the walls and she was like well they're my family and i said so these are all the people who are alive because you survived and she said yes and the literally the hairs on the back of my neck and on my arms went up and because that idea of the memory of a photograph and what it means to that person that's mm. been that close to death mm. was so i don't know precise and sharp and it just it just made me remind reminded me what photographs can be yeah they're and so that was, powerful and that was it and that was really what the show kind of was about was me getting back to myself about why I wanted to be a photographer and yeah. those types of things. So I got to that point, but it wasn't why I started it. I didn't start it. I started it because I wanted to deal with my parents dying. And then it reminded me, like being in the Congo, when the guy says to me, I'll use it on my coffin. You know, he's thinking about his death. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that idea that an image that you make is the image that somebody wants to be remembered as Mm. that's powerful powerful. and then you kind of go well then every time you take a photograph that's what you're trying to do Mm. is make the image that someone wants to be you know the iconic image well that's what i wanted to ask you about actually um because you do photograph a lot of famous people and it's talking about the meaning behind that photograph and that then it does become this sort of legacy yeah when when you're photographing someone um do you feel that the way you shoot them, that it represents their sort of authentic self or are they showing, Are they? is it really down to them and what they want to show you? But ultimately, mm. how do you get past shooting the, the betrayal of the person they want you to see mm. but the person that you might want to bring out from that? Because um, I always find that quite interesting. That is really interesting and I think the way you've put it is really interesting as well. It's very singular in notion. It's kind of strange because I never think of it like that. No. I don't think in terms of what they want me to see because I never let them do that. So what I'm doing is trying to make them feel comfortable to give me who they are mm. as much as they can. And a lot of people don't believe that. And I really don't agree with that. I really think that what you know I'm doing is giving them the collaborative space to show me a part of themselves. And hopefully that part of themselves allows me to see something that then is what is really them is their I don't have a, a word for it because it's not spirit it's not soul it's it's who they are essence. as a person essence is it sounds a bit pretentious. Well, I know I know what you not mean not pretentious yeah. but like a bit I think anything that's met that becomes either um, religious or metaphysical I'm really again authentic I'm authentic. authentic yeah there you go it, that's a great yeah, word that's yeah, great yeah. authenticity is something that I'm looking for I'd always say that photographs are lies and I'm looking for the truth in the lie so I'm always looking for the truth in the person okay. in a human being and and I really trust that I can see that part of someone when I'm taking a photograph when I'm not taking a photograph 
totally different. No. I'm like, I don't know what I'm seeing, but but when I've got the camera in my hand, I'm looking for that, and and hopefully they're giving it. But at the same time, of course, I'm also trying to trying to create something iconic, something that other people will look at and get excited about mm. as well. So it's um, there is again, it's quite layered. It's not as simple as one perspective. And and also I think photographs can show more than one thing about someone. Well, I was just thinking that. I was thinking, you know, like, photograph of me at 20. If I was to look at that, I'd think, oh, you know, that was Amanda, you know, maybe she was a bit lost then, da-da-da, just starting her advertising career. And, and then and I look at a picture of me now and I think so much has happened between that yeah. time and I'm yeah. a totally different person. This so. fantastic actor said to me once, when I said, how do you feel about getting older he said I see all of the lines and all of the kind of wrinkles and the kind of bits that are a little bit wrong as kind of my 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 life history and I really as an act as an actor obviously that it means so much yeah. what your face looks like and I thought that was such a great way of putting it and because that's what he's trading in is not how he, just how he looks, but how he can use, how he, mm. how he communicates that. So I always look at pictures. It's weird because my history is a lot to do with pictures that I'm not in. Yes, yes. So I'm always thinking, I'm looking at them going, oh, I remember that day or I remember that situation. And it's great because I've got this great almost kind of diary of my life that I'm not there. I'm just, I'm there, I'm, I'm a presence yeah. as opposed to really there, which I quite like. But I do think there's something massive to be said just for the fact that photographs are you in that moment and therefore they are a part of you. So if you do die or if you look back at them, you are that person in that moment. And I love, I love, even when I'm photographing famous people, there's a part of me that's looking just to create a memory as well so yeah um it's not as simple as one thing or another and um and then of course some people don't want to do that they want to like you said which is why i kind of don't think about it too much they don't want to show themselves but then that's my job to go hmm okay let's play with this then and however i do it whichever way i um whichever style i use or whichever kind of effect or influence seduction or prodding or whatever it is to get it we'll come back to ranking telling me about photographing the queen and how he made her smile but given everything we're going through at the moment i just wanted to let you know about a really useful organization and website to help you and your loved ones prepare for end of life care and to make sure you've got plans in place so that people know how you'd like to be cared for or how someone in your family might like to be cared for if you or they weren't able to tell anyone or didn't have anyone to talk on their behalf. Now more than ever, it's really important that we have those conversations. It doesn't take very long. So you can find some advice and information on www.compassionindying.org.uk and there's also a link that you can make a donation on there. Now back to our conversation. You know, I'm looking for that. Like yeah. when I photographed the Queen, my thing was I have to photograph a smile. No pressure on that one. <laughs> yeah, five minutes. You got to get it to smile, so you better have some good jokes. Did you? Yeah, but it's funny. It's <laughs> funny. I did. I did because I've always got some good jokes. Because that's part. You've, that's part of your repertoire as mm. a photographer. You have to have. They're never joke jokes. I'm we have not, to make people feel at ease, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm not a comedian. Although sometimes it feels like stand-up photography, but. 
it's that kind of knowledge of what you want to get out of someone mm. you know um, and it's very empirical the other thing is as a photographer you're very it's almost your code of ethics is it's your ethical kind of position to do that to yeah. to not be influenced by everything else around you what you've read mm. you know what the public perception is but to really just do it based on what your experience is mm. which is why I don't set up a lot of photographs I know it's no, not, you don't do I don't know no, and I don't have a and I don't dislike people that do mm. I love the performative nature of photography but I tend to kind of go on what my instinct gut instinct is on people I really researched the queen for example but I also saw and experienced her laughing and smiling and I was like I'm getting that yeah. If I if I walk out without that, I'm I'm gonna really not be happy yeah. with myself. So that and I mean there are loads of stuff that go with death and photography. It's it's kind of we're it's it's all wrapped up in it's each other. They're they're very wrapped up in each other. Mm. Like death masks, for example, are the original negative. Yeah. To the to the positive. Yeah. You know? So they're the original photographs in a way. So. And we've been obsessed mm. by having those memories of memento mori of fa our family members, of, of people that we love forever. Mm. It's a human thing, you know, condition. So you can't not have it no. when you're a photographer. I think if you don't, then there's probably something, something wrong. Something missing, yeah. Something missing. In the same way that if you ask a portrait photographer what the relationship is between the person they're photographing and them, it's generally a kind of feeling of love. You know, you kind of fall in love with the person you're photographing on some level. Mm. You're just, you're inquisitive, you're excited. And um, if you're a big lover of humanity, even the grumpy ones like David Bailey, they love human beings. They just have a different perspective on it. And I yeah. always find that that's so important. Like, if I didn't love humans, mm. I don't think I would be very good at what I do so so I, well, I did want to talk I know you mentioned Memento Mori and in, yeah. in the Victoria times they they used to memorialize their dead yeah and quite often it was children because the infant infant mortality was high yeah um and it was seemed deemed very normal yeah uh to do this and actually in the but in the photograph sometimes they do look alive yeah they um, do i love momentum yeah, what do you, you think know? about all that i'm, I'm really mm. interested in that i went to a really incredible um exhibition and i can't remember where it was i think it was it was in um Euston Road. It was such a good show about Memento Mori. Oh, um, I can't remember. Was it, it was the Welcome? Yeah, the yeah, Welcome yeah. Foundation. Is it Foundation? The yeah. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Trust, that was Trust, yeah. Welcome Trust. It was such a good exhibition, mm. and um, it really inspired me actually at the time because I was, it was just before we were doing Alive in the Face of Death, and I got a lot of kind of ideas from that, but. Um, I'm not put off by that stuff. I think it's really it's really um human to wanna remember something or somebody that is important to you. I think it's a brilliant that's why I love photography. Mm. So I think it's just been hijacked for other things. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing in itself, but it, it just remembering if you're on social media or if you're using a your camera phone like 
you know, it's a good idea sometimes to just print those things out because we say they're all forever, but I'm not 100% sure they no, are. I, yeah, you wonder about that, don't you? I don't you? trust that at all. No, I mean, I do um, every sort of five years, I do like an album. Download. Of yeah. all my children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I want them to have Lovely. something solid. Yeah. I, I hate this idea that they're all on my computer or yeah. on my phone. and. The other thing is, is that you have to remember people are living a lot longer. Like mm. most of the 20 to 30 year olds in my building, they're going to live past 100. Yeah. You know, that's a fact. It's mm. not, you know, if you look at that crazy... I think 80 is now the, the sort of normal age now. Of yeah. The, you know, and yeah, that's, 80 and, and, that's, and plus. And that's us. Yeah. You know, well, me. Yes. not Probably not you. So, and that's, you know, for these kids under 30, they're, they're looking at 100. Yeah. It's, that's, that's like going to be the average in 20, 30 years or 40 mm. years. So... I'm like, wow, this is, this is, we're going to last forever. <laughs> we should but really, also, and we're not really thinking about that either. And that's a whole other thing that no one's, oh, so no one's planning. No, 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 no. No one's well, considering. What's going to happen in the what's future. What's going to happen, no, yeah. exactly. And so I do have a question for you, which yeah. is, what's the, what's the photograph or body of work that best represents your photographic legacy? One that you're really proud of. And mm. That when you die, people go, oh, do you remember that? You know, that, that body of work was amazing. Well, that image will live with me forever. Or It's you know, really hard. To, it's really hard to say that because there's so much that I'm proud of that, even personally proud of, that mm. you can't, it's really, it's like, it's almost like when someone says, well, you know, I've got four dogs, which is my favourite dog. I'm like, well, they're all my favourites. In a way, it's like children, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. just I love them all because <laughs> they've all they, especially my dogs. They just give me so much as a as a person. So the work for me, it's like it's not that I love the work so much. It's like it's just given me so much through my life. Um, you know, it's given me a career. It's given me a livelihood. Mm. It's given me a voice. It's given me the ability to meet people, to meet my wife, to meet. You know, people that are heroes to me. So everything that I've done. And then also the other thing is when you're a photographer, one of the things that, or for me anyway, what's really important is that the photographs go out into the world and have their own life in a way that they live beyond you and they live in other people's interpretation of them, whether that's good or bad. Mm. It's, so when people say, oh, I don't like your photograph, I'm like, that's cool. Like, that's you don't, okay, it's yeah. really not a problem for me mm. that I didn't make it for you to like it. I made it for me. And if other people have got something, got a relationship with it, that's great. And if it's good, it's good. And if it's bad, I'm sorry. Mm. And so for me, it's really hard to define anything and go, that was the one that I'd like to be remembered for. At the same time, there's definitely an element of, being a creative where um you want to live forever in the memory of what you've made so I, I i mean i would dispute any creative that says there's not part of that going on mm. you're wanting to imbue the the piece of work you're making with you an essence of yourself that you hope will stay around for a long a long a lot mm. longer than you live but I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should do a, a bit of work on that to help me process that. But I don't, I don't live and breathe that. I just know that 
part of my work ethic is wanting to create as much work as possible to leave as many, I don't know, um, footprints mm. um, or, you know, feelings amongst people. You know, the idea that in 150 years or 200 years, somebody picks up a book. I mean, books still exist and they go, I wonder who this dude was. That's kind of interesting to me. Because yeah. then I'm... Um, I guess there's part of me that's still around. So I think that's a very human thing to want to not live forever, but to be remembered Mm. or to leave a memory is important. But yeah, I don't, it's hard to go. Yeah, one thing is more important than the other. I know you've talked about this sort of work-life balance. Do you think you've managed that? No. No. No, I've never managed my work-life balance. And I'm I'm a bit embarrassed about it, really. I kind of... I haven't been able to get it right, no, and I'm, I kind of feel a bit ashamed about it, actually, with some of my partners in the past and maybe even my son to some extent. I'm a bit like, damn, I didn't get that right. But there's a part of you when you've got a fire inside you to do something, it feels wrong to not do it so and that's not an excuse, you know, and I'm not kind of sitting here going to go and Picasso was a great guy. In the same way that I'm not saying that I'm a great guy um, or a human being, um, but I definitely strive to be a great human being, especially now. So I'm trying to get that balance right, but I'm really bad at it. And also there's another thing that people don't tell you, a um, bit like death, a bit like get, having a baby. You know, loads of people don't tell you stuff about it until, no. you know, they like... It's almost like a secret society. Yeah, they don't want to tell you. They don't want to tell you because it will scare the shit out of you. <laughs> but um, there's a thing about success that's really strange that mm. once you've got it, it's very, very, very hard to let it go. And also maintaining it, whether it's through a sense of ego or just the sense of people relying on you, it's a really weird thing that it's very, very difficult to... Remove yourself. Remove yourself, or not remove yourself, but... Let go of it. Let go of it. And um, and I'm not talking about financial success. I'm talking about, although that comes into it massively, Mm. um, I'm talking about... um, Because money for me is really just ways of getting things done. And, of course, I'm very in a bubble of, like, I've got a lovely life and can basically do what I want but it's that kind of need to keep communicating and reaching a wider audience and understanding the world because mm. I've always used photography so with me understanding the world and so when the world becomes really complicated and confusing I'm like going I've got to process this stuff and try and help other people process it and talk about it and and I just don't think that that is easy to do with the amount of time you've got to spend on both. But I've definitely got better. Like, I don't I don't work at weekends. Good. <laughs> which is, I mean, I, I say I don't work, I don't take photographs at weekends. Mm. I don't do commissioned work at weekends. Um, but I write a lot and read a lot and, you know, so we even when I'm not 
working. You're thinking and... I'm thinking about this thing that's mm. going on. So that fire is there. It's a very, very difficult fire. I think I've got a handle on it now, but I don't think I'll ever get... I'll ever overcome it. No. I really don't. No. I think even if I took sort of six, nine months off, it would just... It would be like, you know, getting a, an old blower to, like, make it... Make the fire go burn brighter it'll make it it'll make it worse it'll give you more time to think about it <laughs> yeah because i'll be thinking about other things i can do yeah. and oh i can do this project i can do that project i can do this and i think my wife i feel like she deals with a lot because does she understand no i think no. she's bored of it probably and quite rightly so but she just lets me get on with it but i also have this real normal life which is brilliant where i'm just me you know i'm not like some sort of crazy egotistical dude like which i used to be um i'm i'm just me at home when it so it means when i come to work that's that kind of ego thing is really balanced out yeah. so i just i come down you know like mm. i'm not it does it goes from here like and the me part is just me and then the being somebody that's supposed to be i don't know a provocateur or a visionary or whatever is like the just door. keep it yeah just keep it in check remember who you are and i love that because i've never like i've never liked that um well it's not where you came from is it no it's no. definitely not where i came from and it's definitely not what how i think you change the world no but i mm. do think that to keep perspective on the world which is much more humane you've got to leave that ego at the door and you you know I've always said I'm 51% my biggest supporter and 49% my biggest critic mm. and it's like they keep each other in check hopefully and it's meant that I think my work has resonance because you know I've not I've not lived in a bubble that's beyond not reminding myself of things like death or of things like people living in abject poverty or you know stuff like that mm. trying to like even it up e being even is very important for me yeah being you need the balance i think the ba that right? balance is really important so you know keeping inquisitive about myself mm. as well as other people is really important i don't it sounds pretentious but I do think reading is really important. I do think not following GPSs is really important. I do think coming off social media and, and being bored is really important. Yeah. I think that, you know, the only thing I'm really bad at is drinking. I want to get that in check. <laughs> so it doesn't kill you. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, you know, that's my only real weakness, really. Like, everything else, I've, I'm trying as hard as I can to be a good person... A good human. Good. Because when you're 25, you're like, yeah, whatever. When you're 55, you're going, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did I affect people? Was I mean to that person on a shoot once? Or... So I'm starting to have those kind of conversations with myself a lot That's more. That's good, because it means you're checking in on yeah. who you are and how you are. And I definitely people. have got better. I kind of see it as like a, a hill, you know. Like I definitely was a kid. I was like, couldn't walk past somebody begging in the street without giving them money and then you just become this idiot and then hopefully you come down the other side and um our mine was a pretty big hill though i have to say yeah. uh, but um <laughs> but yeah um that's another thing getting nearer death is you do start to check in on yourself mm. and yes, again I think that's people don't talk lace, about it. it yeah people don't talk about it and it's another thing that i also remember that one of one of one of the 
girls in my office got married and I kept saying, just don't, just leave it for a few years because you just don't know. If, what, sorry, you should always be with a person for at least four or five years. Get to know. Just to know if you're going to be all right with them because I made mistakes when mm. I was younger and they all just look at you like you're mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, what you, what's this old mad Elvis's hips man talking about? <laughs> you know, leave that at the door, mate. I've got no interest yeah. in you. And then you learn not to talk about it because mm. you're like, well, they're not going to listen. They're going to have to learn for themselves, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, things really? like that, definitely. But... Mm. At the same time, that's the problem with the elder, younger thing. It's like where you might have gone for advice. Mm. Now we don't. And no. there's a really brilliant book called Black Box Thinking, which I've just read, which I recommend other people read, where it says learning from mistakes is probably the best thing we can all do as human beings. So who would you ask about the mistakes is the people that have made them. But people don't want to. No. People don't want to do that because no. we're obsessed by youth. Mm. and we're obsessed by innocence and we're obsessed by this kind of idea that the world is you know somehow sanctimonious because you know i don't you know i don't agree with that my Mm. son does it to me all the time (laughs) i'm like nothing's black and white man no no No, but it's it's easy with the hindsight yeah it's very easy to say that Wow. Well, I could talk to you all day. Sorry. Yeah, I'm a chatty. (laughs) Funny, though. I'm a chatty person for a photographer. Yeah. Um, It's been really lovely. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure and an honour. Maybe we should do another one. And an honour to do this. How cool that you can sit and talk about death for an hour. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I I can talk about death till till I die. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll do another one. Yeah, just about (laughs) humour. Death and humour. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Oh. If you want to check out more about Rankin, have a look on his website, which is rankin.co.uk. And stay safe. Take care. Bye.